effing Steve always gets it right. I didn't say Steve is always right. I said he always gets it right. Like anyone, he is wrong sometimes, but he insists, and not gently either, that people tell him when he's wrong, so he always gets it right in the end. To Inside the Comfort Zone. You're listening to the podcast that redefines personal and professional development, guiding the hustle and burnout generation to handle change with ease so that they can live their best life. And my name is Adam Kowalik. October 1879, Thomas Edison filed his patent for the commercial light bulb, having been able to improve on the technology of the incandescent light bulb making this one burn for 14 and a half hours. There is a popular story about Mr. Edison's number of of failures in getting the incandescent light bulb to burn for a sufficient length of time, where he famously said, I have not failed, I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. To Edison, failure was just another way of gathering information and feedback. He approached his work with a sense of adventure and viewed failure as a stepping stone to success. To me, it seems like Mr. Edison wasn't too concerned about being right, but more interested in getting it right. Jumping forward almost a quarter of a century, on December 17, 1903, man took flight. The two brothers, Wilbur and Orville Wright, successfully flew the world's first motor-powered aeroplane for 36.5 metres. With their proceeds from their business, a bike repair shop, they funded the project and sourced parts for their fly machine right there from their workshop. The brothers would bring multiple sets of spare parts every time they went out to attempt a flight, expecting to crash and make repairs to go again before returning home for lunch, then heading back out again with yet another set of spare parts. At the same time, across the country, an aviation pioneer and physicist named Samuel Pierpont Langley had been tasked by the US government to develop a flight machine of their own. Now, Langley's assignment spared no expenses and had access to some of the country's brightest people. Langley himself was the third secretary of the Smithsonian Institution and a professor of astronomy at the University of Pittsburgh, indeed a man of significance in his own right. He was on a mission to become the man who solved the challenge of man-powered flight. Back in Dayton, Ohio, the brothers were busy trying to change the world with their flying machine. Their runway to success was one full of crashes and challenges, but the brothers wouldn't give up. And finally, one cold day in December, with strong headwind, they succeeded at the world's first controlled and sustained flight flying the 36.5 metres. And the rumour has it that the day that the news broke about the brothers' success, Langley quit, resigned. He hadn't been first. His work hadn't worked. Now, if this was really the case, perhaps Langley was 
more concerned with being right, being the first person to achieve controlled and sustained flight in a machine, than he was with the actual historical and scientific implications of solving man-powered flight. And a more recent example can be found with the late Steve Jobs, who wanted to make a dent in the universe and who definitely managed to disrupt and reinvent the way we communicated and use our cell phones. There are countless stories about his achievements, and one that always stood out to me is the one where Andy Grove, the third CEO of Intel Corporation and a big contributor to the growth phase of Silicon Valley, in the book Radical Candor by Kim Scott, was quoted saying, Effing Steve always gets it right. I didn't say Steve is always right. I said he always gets it right. Like anyone, he is wrong sometimes, but he insists, and not gently either, that people tell him when he's wrong, so he always gets it right in the end. With these three examples, the point I'm trying to make here is that being right is dangerous. Being right changes nothing. Being right means more of the same and nothing new can come from that. Being wrong invites change. It can be the starting point of getting things right. It is said that 50% of what we know today is wrong, judging from past experience. The only problem is we don't know which 50% we're wrong about. Life, or really anything, can't be about being right. It can only be about getting it right. Whatever you do in life or otherwise, you want to dedicate your time to getting things right instead of wasting time trying to be right. You want to fail and you want to learn from those failures. In fact, there are no failures. In truth, that is just a label. The only time you fail is when you fail to learn from your failure. It's not failure. It's only feedback and data. Here's some ways that being right can sometimes be dangerous. The need to be right in a relationship, be it a romantic relationship or otherwise, when you're when you experience a need to be right, you can become defensive or argumentative and unable to accept the other party's perspective. And this is not a great atmosphere for mutual and thriving relationships. Strong-arming people into agreeing with you seldom leads to the kind of adoption and lasting effect that you have in mind. When we tell people what to think or do, they have only two ways to respond. They can either comply or rebel. Now, when they rebel, it can cause unnecessary conflict and escalation. Our confirmation biases will often make us believe even more in our arguments when we are forced to defend them. The mind will be building the case even stronger and might even collect false evidence only to justify our perspective. And the conflict is left dead in the water. No one's going anywhere. Even worse is when they comply. Complying against their own needs, beliefs or values can negatively impact their self-esteem and self-worth, driving home the point that their own personal opinion, needs or values aren't as important as the other parties. 
This can lead to people becoming people pleasers, putting their own needs last, and might lead to a victim mentality. When someone complies, there might be a growing sense of resentment towards the other party, and resentment can destroy any relationship. With resentment brewing in a relationship, there might be anger, distrust, deliberate sabotaging, and even the seeking of revenge going on in the background. Wanting to be right or wanting to win an argument is an understandable quest. However, when you are trying to foster healthy and sustainable relationships, having winners and losers. Isn't very conducive to its success. Here's a clip from a YouTube short by Kyle Sees, a former comedian, a wonderful mindfulness teacher, and a change maker, talking about how winning won't do what you want it to do. One thing that comes up a lot for me is the question of would I rather win or would I rather be free? There are so many times that I feel like pointing out something that wasn't seen, calling someone on their shit, whatever, and then like this higher me goes, "Can you feel that even if you win that argument, win that point, win anything, you're not free. You're just free against them, against their ego. Free yourself. Don't win. Free yourself. That's actually winning." When you are more concerned with winning a discussion, for example, than forming a common ground, even if during the course of the discussion it becomes clear that you're wrong, your mind will look for any evidence to support this now faulty statement, making you believe in it even more, and you risk alienating the other person, but also make them doubt your credibility. I've argued in the past that when there are losers. There are no winners at anything. Nobody likes feeling like a loser, being the one who lost, especially concerning mutual and close relationships. When you are adopting an attitude of right and wrong, you risk making the receiver become more concerned with not being wrong than being willing to innovate, open to experimenting. Being on a journey of getting things right, being overly concerned with not being wrong, can lead to the fear of failure, which can give rise to anxiety and self-defeating thoughts. And this can lead to, to quote Oliver Wendell Holmes, that many people die with their music still in them. Right can make the other person feel inferior. No one likes to be wrong or to be told that they are wrong, and this can impact their confidence and lead them to feeling insecure, which can have a serious repercussion in life and in the relationship. Instead, if you want to reach an agreement and you'd like to positively influence someone, then helping people reach their own arguments and conclusions. Is the best way to have them open up. When we are showing a willingness to listen and possibly meet someone else's needs, they are more likely to be repaid in kind. If you knew that by trying to be right would damage the relationship, that the price of being a winner is that you break someone else's spirit, and that you will never be free, 
then what would you do differently? How else would you approach a situation where there's a difference of opinions? Now, looking at trying to be right in a professional environment together with colleagues, being right can divide a group in many more ways than one. When you're stuck in your own viewpoint and can't find a way to compromise or look for a common solution, it can create a wall between different teams. And this will only lead to further discord and prevent any kind of effective collaboration. Sometimes when you point out that the other person is wrong, you miss an opportunity to create a solution together. Focusing only on your own victory prevents you from looking at the issue from a different angle and see the bigger picture. This can not only be counterproductive in the long run, but it can also prevent you from solving the problem at hand. In summary, the need to be right can lead to a lack of collaboration and creativity as differences and new ideas are not valued or considered. And this is not where innovation comes from. A final situation where being right can be dangerous is in trying to live your best life. Another huge impact that binarity of right and wrong has on life in general is that you think there is a right or wrong answer, option or choice. I hear this all the time. I just want to know what to do or I need to know what is the best solution before I can something something. This is often in connection to a lot of personal suffering, worry and anxiety, trying to figure out what decision is the right one, as if outthinking this could help. Being overly concerned with knowing before doing is what might prevent you from ever finding out. It prevents you from experimenting, from collecting data and feedback, from learning from and growing stronger thanks to all the challenges. It simply keeps you stuck where you are, stuck overthinking and overanalyzing. And again, from there, nothing new will come. Life is a series of choices. What if life was less about being right and more about getting it right? Meaning, being in active participation of life or like a scientist with an insatiable curiosity where right or wrong was nothing more than arbitrary labels serving no purpose on the journey of living your best life? If the choices you made was for you, you will feel it. It will feel light or expansive. If the choices wasn't for you right now, you will feel that too. It will feel heavy or contracting, misaligned. Next time you feel stuck and paralyzed from taking a step forward for the fear of choosing the wrong road, Remember that it was never about being right or wrong before doing something, but rather about getting there. And for that to happen, you want to move forward. Don't default to the binaries of right or wrong. Instead, stay curious and open. What would you do in life? How would you be different as a person if you knew that you couldn't fail at whatever you did? 
What would be possible for you if you saw failure as stepping stones to success, learning opportunities? What else could you call the experience of failure if you couldn't use the label failure and had to reframe it as something more positive? What else would be possible if you didn't have to concern yourself with being right? If this topic struck a chord with you, I'd like to invite you to visit adamkowalek.com. That is Adam, K-A-W-A-L-E-C dot com and sign up for my free five-day audio course helping you get life right. An audio course that is built on some of the principles that we talked about on this episode. Visit adamkowalek.com, enroll in the free course to receive over the next five days the lessons that will help you handle change and hardship with more ease. Thanks for listening to Inside the Comfort Zone with me, Adam Kowalik. And I'll be back next week with another regular episode. If you like the show, please follow and rate it on Spotify. And if you have a friend who you think should hear what we spoke about today, please share it with them. The best way to get the episode as soon as possible is to subscribe to Inside the Comfort Zone via Spotify or whatever podcast app you like to use. Check out some of the previous episode by visiting insidethecomfort.zone. Visit the website insidethecomfort.zone or click the link in the show notes for a chance to send me your questions and feedback as a voice message. And with your permission, if it's valuable for our listeners, your content might be featured in an upcoming episode. Inside the Comfort Zone was brought to you by Adam Kowalik, life coach, speaker and author on a mission to end suffering. Thank you for being you and please keep it up.